welcome back to my love letter time machine. Hi, I'm Ingrid Burchell Hughes, and I'm serialising the love letters of my great-great-grandparents, Fred Shepard and Janie Warburton. Travel 140 years back in time with me now, where we take a look at Victorian history through their eyes. And today, Fred takes a trip on the Stockton steamer, and the Cross Keys host a dinner for 75 people. After forgiving one another for the dressing down that Fred gave Janie last time, the letters for the end of April 1882 fall back into the usual comfortable chat and sharing of gossip. In the next couple of letters from Janie, two people who we've not heard from about for a while reappear. It's at moments like these that the letters make me feel like I'm in a Victorian soap opera, to the point where having a coffee with a friend, I've actually caught myself saying, oh, you never guess what, and then rattle the details of 1882, as if it happened last week. Anyway, the first is Carrie, Janie's friend whose family you may remember had emigrated to Australia. Carrie remained behind and moved in with relatives in Harrogate. The second is Mr. Herod Senior, Emma's former father-in-law, who has had to endure the disgrace of his elder son being imprisoned for jewellery theft as well as having suffered from being robbed by his younger son, Tom, resulting in bankruptcy and the sale of the family farm. I have here a sheet in Janie's handwriting in pencil, with no dates or salutation, but judging from the content, I think it fits here, but I'm not completely sure. I am scribbling this on the dresser and while Johnny is waiting a bit for me and I have to attend to father as well so I know you will forgive me. I am glad you have had two easy days darling. You will do with them very nicely. I wish I could have been with you to make the evenings pass more quickly. I long for you love as you do me. It is happiness to be with you. We shall miss each other these summer nights and our glorious walks but we will make the best of it love won't we? It would be like heaven to feel your arms around my waist and to have all that glorious time to come over again. But we shall have a happy time to look back upon, shan't we? And we are both looking forward to the happy time coming. It will be bliss, darling, to be with you and to give and receive my kiss when you come home. To have our home comfortable for you. You know, my darling, that I shall never tire of your companionship. You won't get tired of me, darling, will you? I shall try not to let you. I have your love, darling, and I shall try my best to keep it, so that we shall be friends, companions, and everything to each other all our lives. Carrie is coming on Tuesday. I wish the doctor would order me away to Harrogate, so that I could go back with her, and then we should be able to see each other, as the sight of you would do me more good than either Redcar or Harrogate. It is very good of Mr. and Mrs. Morton proffering the hospitality of having me a fortnight beforehand, and of Mr. Davies too. I am like you, darling, rather in a fix. I don't know what to do. We shall have to see what we can do when you come at Whitsuntide. I should certainly like to come beforehand to get things ready, but I think we shall have to try and settle it then. There will be only four Sundays after tomorrow, love, so we shall try and be patient. But it does seem a long time. I am not fretting, darling. It will not do. It was a beautiful day yesterday, but has been wet today. It has cleared since tea. I wish you could take me for our usual Saturday night's long walk. 
I wish I could have gone to the theatre with you. I hope you enjoyed it, love. It is now past time, so I shall have to give up. I love you more than ever, my husband, and will always remain your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. The next letter is also from Janie. Hansworth, April 27th, 1882. My own darling husband, I was pleased to receive your kind letter this morning. Father still keeps better, and I hope he'll soon be able to get down the stairs, but he is very weak. He got up in the bedroom a little while today, but was soon tired. Poor Mr. Herod has called today. He is on his way to his daughter's at Huddersfield. I do feel sorry for him. He is a poor, broken-down old man, and his two sons have ruined him. If they had been good ones, he would have been in pretty good circumstances now. He has not heard anything of John for a long time. Carrie came late on Tuesday night. She wishes to be remembered very kindly to you. Our Polly is here too. Carrie and I went down to the station to meet her, to help her to carry the baby. They are both quite well. We shall very likely take them back to the station tonight. I do wish you could bring me back, darling. Oh, I shall miss you these summer nights. But never mind. You will take me for an airing in the town when I get there, love, won't you, love? A nice gentle walk as a constitutional, you know. I am glad I am dearer to you and you love me more than ever. I feel sure we will be so happy in our married life. I don't doubt, love, that while I shall feel leaving my friends a little bit at the first, that I shall have them all in you and I shall be quite content. I do not mind a bit about living in Middlesbrough and we must live where it is convenient for you, darling. I hope your back is better and the pain around your body. If you do not feel it to be getting better, do get something, darling, and let me know if you are any worse, because I am always so afraid of anything like that turning to inflammation. I think you must have got a little cold last Saturday. I am sorry, love, you have had so much cold meat. You shan't have so much when I am your cook. I have to get ready to go with Polly now. I'll give you another for Sunday. I remain your loving, true and faithful wife. Janie. Royal Exchange Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company Limited, April the 28th, 1882. My own darling Janie, I have received a letter from John Mies this morning asking if we will make it to a party for Whitmundy excursion to somewhere. He says Chambers has been to see him and suggests Castleton. I shall write to him on Sunday, I think, so you might in your Sunday's letter, love, tell me what your idea is on the matter, and I will be guided entirely with it. I shall not be able to give you even a moderately long letter today, darling, because we are so dreadfully busy, and I have to go up to Stockton to see the surveyor of taxes about the income tax returns. I was working late last night until half past nine, and on Wednesday night until half past ten, so I think I may consider that I am putting in plenty of time. I shall not be sorry when the works start and things get settled into a groove. I hope you are enjoying the sweet companionship of Carrie. I wish you could enjoy mine as well. I almost expected to hear from you this morning, love, but I expect you will have been very busy. I hope your father keeps well, darling, and that your sweet sister is a little more amiable. Please remember me to Carrie, love. I had almost forgot to tell you that Alvy's young lady has requested him to ask me to tell you that she wishes to be very kindly remembered to you, which present duty I have now fulfilled. It only wants 29 days now, my darling, to Whitsuntide, and then I expect I shall have the pleasure of seeing you. 3.15. 
I have been up to Stockton and had a sea trip down the river on the steamer. It was grand, and I shall have great pleasure in taking you down at some future time, my little wife. You must please overlook my not giving more, my love. We are really very busy. I like to write to you at night, and then I can give you more time. I remain my darling wife, your loving, true, and faithful husband, Fred. Arguably the icon of the city of Middlesbrough for the last 111 years has been the Tees Transporter Bridge, a surprisingly delicate and ethereal-looking edifice in light of its steel construction that ferried passengers across the River Tees in a suspended gondola. Opened in 1911, its unusual construction was to enable continued shipping access along the river. Before this, the only way of crossing the vital north-south route over the River Tees, below the Victoria Bridge five miles upstream, was by paddle steamer. Paddle steamers seem to have largely disappeared from the mind in the UK. Very few have survived to the modern day. Oddly enough, when most Brits think of a paddle steamer, they are more likely to envisage a picture-postcard American Queen-style vessel carrying tourists up and down the Mississippi River. And so I have to confess that this throwaway comment of Fred's became another intriguing window back into the past. The paddle steamers in question were of iron construction, with the paddles in covered casings projecting duck-wing-like on either side of the main hull. While the advent of the screw propeller revolutionised the development of seagoing vessels, paddle steamers continued to be used in river and coastal services even until the middle of the 20th century because of their shallower beam and easier manoeuvrability. The main ferry crossing in Middlesbrough was where the Tees Transporter Bridge is now and in Stockton-on-Tees, just west of where the Princess of Wales Bridge stands today. There was also a regular hourly ferry between Middlesbrough and Stockton, itself another important and growing industrial town on the North Bank. Indeed, Stockton was the site of the Stockton and Darlington Railway, the world's first ever public service railway, and had a major shipping industry. Being sighted across the river from the world's largest producer of iron, and soon to be steel, you can see why Middlesbrough and Stockton became the then nexus of the latest stage of the Industrial Revolution. And in the middle of this hive of industry, a pleasant moment on a boat could be found chugging you gently five miles downstream. It looks as if there were at least two ferry companies operating at the time, and the Middlesbrough Stockton ferry was operated by the Messrs Duncan's passenger steamboats, who were running two paddle steamers, the River Queen and the Royal Charlie. I found some pictures of the Royal Charlie online, and it looks for all the world just like the tugboat, depicted in Turner's famous painting, The Fighting Tamarare. While the Royal Charlie doesn't seem to have been pressed into service for towing battleships, it was frequently chartered for special occasions. In Fred's time, the Royal Charlie was often name-checked in Middlesbrough newspapers, particularly on boat race days. The steamer did a fast trade in providing the ticket holders a close-up view of a race as it followed the competitors. Given the number of mentions, and also surprisingly the amount of comments left online on heritage sites, 
I've been given the impression that for a time, the steamer acquired a talisman status and lives on in cultural memory. I don't know if the Royal Charlie was the steamer that Fred travelled on. He had a 50% chance of being on the River Queen too. In fact, he may have travelled on them many times, but it's hard not to look at a faded black and white photograph of a paddle steamer crammed with passengers below the plumes of smoke and engage in some wishful thinking, imagining my great-great-grandfather on the deck. By the way, if you would like to see this kind of paddle steamer in action, I'd like to recommend the YouTube channel Steve Marsh, who gave his kind permission for me to use a sound clip from his fascinating video about the world's last seagoing paddle steamer, the Waverley. The rest of his travel log channel is totally worth checking out. That's Steve Marsh, or one word, on YouTube. Hansworth, April the 29th, 1882. My own darling Fred, I received your letter this morning, and you should have had one from me yesterday. I sent one to the post by Polly on Thursday. I was too late for the Hansworth post, and Polly had one that she had written to post, so she thought she would not forget. I am sorry you were disappointed, love. It has been wretched today, raining all day. It is a little fairer now or it would not be fit to turn out. This morning I have a very pressing invitation to spend a week at Mrs Hill's Hathersage. She is Mrs Allen's sister at the post office. I have met her at Mrs Allen's. She is a very nice lady, one you can enjoy yourself thoroughly with, and her daughter too. Her husband was a doctor, and he died about two years ago. He killed himself with drink. So darling, I think a week there this summer would do me good. What do you think? Darling, I hardly know what to say about the excursion to Castleton. I should certainly like to see the place. Should you like to go? Do you want to go? It is in this way, love. If we keep having such expensive excursions every time you come over, it will be impossible for you to save the money. I have been thinking if we went to this one, we would wait until October before we were married. It would only be another month, and then it would give me a little more time to get things ready I shall want. After our feast, it always takes us about a month to get straightened, and we should then have your raised salary. What do you think, darling? Can you wait for me? Or do you think it would be best to keep to the old time in September? If you decide, love, for me to be your little wife in October, you can send to John Mies that we will go. We could manage it then. But if not... We will have a nice quiet time at home this Whitsuntide, not so much running about as we had at Easter. I think I have scarcely got over the tiredness yet. My darling, I quite overlook the shortness of your letter as you are so busy. You have worked late. You must not do too much love to knock yourself up, or I shall have to come and nurse you if you are ill, and I know you would not care for that. I hope you are all right again and that you do not feel the pain about your body, love. You will not, I am sure, be sorry when the works get started and things get settled into a groove. I hope you will not have to be there so late, darling, as you know I shall not care to get tea without my husband. We shall have a glorious time together. It will be like being at Malcolm again, won't it, love? I wish I could enjoy your companionship as well as Carrie's. I did long for you last night. It was moonlight, just right for one of our old walks. Polly says we shall have to go there this Whitsuntide, so I think we shall have to go on the Saturday night if we don't go to Castleton. We will go on the Monday. There is only three more Sundays, then you and I will have the very great pleasure of seeing each other again, darling. Oh, darling, I wish it was here. I do want to see you. Father still keeps better. He has been up and dressed in the bedroom nearly all day. 
It will be rather awkward this next week. It is the club feast on Monday and the rents dinners on Wednesday. We shall have a very busy week. We have always set a table in father's room before, so we will have to make some other arrangements this time. We have begun upsetting the things out of the club room today and piling them in the old room. I fair dread it coming on. It is such an upset. If we could have everything in the usual way, we would not feel it. But we can't, love, so we will have to make the best of it. It is a nuisance, though. Remember me kindly to Miss Smith through Mr Alvey, darling. I suppose we shall be near neighbours Sunday. I should very much like to have been with you at Stockton and had the sea trip down the river on the steamer. You shall have the pleasure of taking me some day. Do you remember being on the steamer from Morecambe to Blackpool? I am sure we were taken for bride and bridegroom. You did used to blush, didn't you, love, when they cast suspicious glances at us? I did enjoy it. It was a happy week. I have not time for more. I remain, my darling husband, your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. Going back to the first paragraph of this letter with a discussion of Mrs. Allen. I found a picture of Mrs. Allen and her family in front of the post office in a memoir of Hansworth by Florence Fisher Earle. She was born to Charles Fisher, one of the owners of the Hansworth Nurseries, in 1885, and she was writing in the 1920s. So while she was growing up in the village, she would have known a lot of the people that Janie had known. Florence's section on the post office reads, Next came the post office, with its little carriage entrance to the back, and what a different post office it was to that of the present day. Mrs Mary Allen was the postmistress. The house was double-fronted, and the post office was in the room to the left with a high counter, but there were more interesting things than stamps and postal orders for sale. There were hoops, marbles, shuttlecocks, battledores, skipping ropes, and whipping tops, also children's boots and various wares. As Christmas approached, there was the excitement of a show of new toys, etc. In the photograph of the post office, Mrs Allen is wearing a black dress and cape. Her hair is tightly scraped off her face, and she's wearing a kind of pillbox hat. Her face is sadly rather blurred, and I'm left squinting once again through the misty window into the past but it is rather lovely to have this extra detail about someone who most likely handled every single letter that Janie sent and every one that she received from Fred. 21 Church Street, Middlesbrough, May 1st, 1882. My own darling wife, I received your letter of Thursday on Saturday, love. I think Polly must have forgotten to post it before Friday. I am glad to hear that your father is recovering, love. I hope he will keep well for some time. He ought to take more care of himself. It is a sad thing for old Mr. Herod that his sons have turned out so badly. It seems to be the rule rather than the exception to turn out bad. Thank Carrie for me, love, for her kind remembrance. I should like to see her. Does she keep up well, love? And has she quite resigned herself to be alone in England? I shall be most happy, my darling, to take you for a constitutional when I get you here, and what is more, I shall see that you do take it, love. I am happy to say, love, that I am quite recovered of the pain in my back and round my body, and now, excepting for the hard work, in very good health. I am pleased to hear that I shall not have so much cold meat, love, when you are my cook. If there is, there'll be a row. 
Please thank Polly for me, my love, for her kind enclosure. It is very pleasant to know that people are thinking about you. I think we shall be able to give them a look in at Whitsuntide, shan't we? I received your letter yesterday morning, love, and should have answered it the same day, but yesterday was our landlady's birthday, and we had a lot of visitors, and I really had not the opportunity of writing to you. This morning, Mr Cooper went away, and we have been so busy all the day that I could not find time to write. I hope you will forgive me, love, this once. I do remember our journey from Morecambe to Blackpool, love, and I also remember my blushing as well. You see, it was not for myself, but for other people, because I did not like them to be under a wrong impression. Speaking of remembering, do you remember our journey from Morecambe to Sheffield back again alone, my darling? I had to go down to Redcar again last Saturday about our secretary's house. When I got down about three, it began to rain, and it did rain. I came away at five, nearly drowned. If it had been fine, I intended walking to Saltburn on the sands, and then riding from there. It rained incessantly until bedtime on Saturday, and again last night from six until ten. And today we had a dreadful thunderstorm, which I had the pleasure of being out in as I was coming from the works. I got rather wet, but I do not think I have caught cold. I have not time to think of such trivial things as colds. Is your cold better, my darling? And have you quite recovered from the severe strain I put to you at Easter? Do you feel equal to going through the same again? For I suppose you will do if I come over. Don't you think it would perhaps be better for me to stop here at Whitsuntide, love, and then there would be no risk? Because this time will be just after the month, instead of being just before as it has been before. I bought a name stamp today, love, for Marking Linen. And of course, I took care to get your initial as well, so that it would be useful to you when you change your name for mine, darling. Have I done right, love? When you get this, love, it will only want 24 days to our meeting. I remain, my darling wife, your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. Hansworth, May the 1st. 1882, 9.30pm. My own darling husband, we have just got one of our busy days over. We have had 75 to dinner. I am very glad, for I begin to feel very tired. I wish you were here, darling, to rest my eyes upon. I am sure I should feel better then. I could not make time to write today before this. They are very busy in the bar yet, but mother has gone in to release me for a while. So I thought I would begin your letter tonight, as I might not have much time tomorrow, with father being poorly. We had to take our John's bed down and make that into a dining room. We should scarcely feel the difference if we had not so much moving things about. You would not like to sleep in my bedroom for a trifle tonight, love. Everything bundled in, boxes heaped up, one on top of the other. It will be a treat to get everything straight again. We shall have to clean all down tomorrow for Wednesday. We do not mind now we have got this over. It is much quieter on Wednesday. There will only be 20. Everything went on well today until dinner was over and then our Emma got some more drink. In fact, she could scarcely speak. She was so drunk. Oh, darling, I don't know whatever will become of her. She gets worse and worse. She has now gone upstairs to take the children to bed and I hope she will go too. I got Kate to ask her to go long since, but she would not. I can't write any more tonight, darling. I am so tired and sleepy. I will try to finish tomorrow. Good night, love. I do wish I could kiss you. I do love you. 
continued Tuesday, May the 2nd, 1882. My darling, I was disappointed this morning at not receiving a letter. I thought you must be ill, love, as I generally get one either Monday or Tuesday. I do hope you are not. I do not know what I should do if you were to be ill over there. I am anxiously waiting for tomorrow's post to see what is the reason. We are very busy getting ready for tomorrow. You will forgive me for not giving you a longer one this time. Carrie went to Miss Mottersheds yesterday for a few days, until we get the throng over. I remain always my husband, your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. We'll leave it there for now. Next time, the insecurity regarding Fred's lodgings grows as his landlady, Mrs Gordon, tells him to start looking for somewhere else to live. Thank you so much for listening to my Love Letter Time Machine. I'd very much like to share Fred and Janie's story with more people. So if you haven't already, can I ask you to share this podcast with someone you think might enjoy it? You can also find excerpts of Fred and Janie's letters on Instagram at myloveletertimemachine, all one word. And you can write to me at myloveletertimemachine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.